Welcome, my historical nerd friends. This is Historical AF. I'm Kina. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. We are two history podcasts delivering you the funny and historical ocean nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. I am joined by whining about her street, and I'm so excited. Thank you so much for joining. We're so excited. Yes, we are. I'm I'm super jazzed. I'm I'm a big fan of your podcast, and I, yeah. I love your format. I love you, and I love all your guests. Oh, thank you. Love everywhere. Ranks. So yeah. much love. I actually discovered you guys on hashtag history. So that's when I slipped into your DMs after you guys guested. I think the first time with them. And I was like, you guys got to come on my podcast, okay? <laughs> and here we are. Yay. Yeah. I think you were talking about asylums or you were talking about mental health. So, yeah, we, we talked about mental we health. We talked about women. Dorothea Dix. Yes. And then they covered Jane Topan. That's what it was because I'm like, that was my thesis. <laughs> I love it. Yay. <laughs> Did Kirkbride Asylums as my oh, nice. thesis project. Honestly, there's never been a better promotion for going to grad school for history then you can write your thesis on asylums yeah sign me up take my money (laughs) i'm gonna end up on some like history channel documentary as like the expert on this very specific topic i hope so fine i got a book deal and i I was supposed to have written the book but i can't research because i can't get into an archive right now so (laughs) that's been fun so that's I, they just extended me like six months to finish it so we'll see how that goes but i was like um i can't leave the state because military so yeah. right well let us know when the book is published because i will buy it oh yeah immediately i'm really excited like i wrote i have a website and then i'm turning that into the book but i'm trying to make it a little bit more interesting there was some like juicy nuggets that i found researching like there were labor camps and they were like grow your own food and blah, blah, blah. And they were trying to make it out great. And then just almost overnight within like a week, they were shut down, sold, and they passed a law that you couldn't do that anymore. And I'm like, nothing in the government works that fast. So I'm like, what happened? Right. <laughs> right. Like, bad happened. Yeah. So but a lot of that stuff, it's also Arkansas was very corrupt, probably covered it up, but I'm like, hopefully you can find out what happened. But uh, yeah. yeah. But grad school is fun. My like some of my best friends that I have now I met in grad school because you suffer together. And so that's, that's the one thing that sucks is my cohort is supposed to be in person, but mm-hmm. obviously we're not. And so like, yeah, like the te- one of the teachers I had this semester was like, oh, usually cohorts like, you know, you get to know each other super well because you're stuck together for, you know, three years and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I know no one in my class like None of us have really reached out to each other other than what we've had to do for class. And I'm like, this was supposed to be me making adult friends. <laughs> what's what's your um, uh, degree going to be? Clinical psychology. Oh, cool. Oh, I know. So you're talking about asylums and I'm like, yep. <laughs> so tell everybody about your podcast. We are a women's history podcast where we talk about women that you probably haven't heard of. So we cover lesser known women like Marsha P. Johnson, Katherine Johnson, Anna Mae Wong. I had to think of someone whose last name wasn't Johnson, but we're not. (laughs) Martha Ripley. Martha Ripley. So we're not covering like Amelia Earhart, Marie Curie, you know, more well-known figures. And so every episode, Kelly and I crack open a bottle of cheap wine 
And each of us tells the other a story of a woman that the other one probably hasn't heard of. And it's only happened a handful of times where the other person is, I know who that is, but I probably don't know anything about them other than they did a thing. We generally don't discuss topics, although we have severe kismet where our topics and women line up significantly. We do general topics for like October... We, we do usually like murderous women or f- as Emily likes to say, felonious females. Ooh, and um, bitches. Yep. Witchy bitches. And we'll do, you know, like LGBTQ plus Black History Month. So we'll do like those general, but otherwise we don't. We're kind of the opposite of you. We don't pick a general topic. Yeah. That's amazing. I love women in history. Some of, some of the best classes I ever took in school were women's history. Yeah, a lot of people don't talk about them. And a lot of women did things that men get credit for. So I just love that so many women's history, like books and podcasts and shows, everything start to come out so people can learn more. Yeah, it's exciting. And that's been a really exciting thing to be a part of because there has been this focus on underknown figures in history, whether they were underknown because of their gender, their race, their sexual orientation whatever that may be. And people are finally starting to dive beneath the surface just a little bit and be like, who else was there? What was going on? And Mm -hmm. so getting to be a part of that has been really cool because there are women that we've covered where if you search their name as a hashtag on Instagram, there's like five posts. And then a month later, there's a hundred because people are actually starting to pay attention. That's amazing. We like to think we're, we're helping. Yeah, changing the world. We like this much of it. (laughs) Yeah. And I love the kind of revisionist history, too, because there's like Elizabeth Bathory, for example, for like years, everybody's like, oh, she was a serial killer and fades and blood. But now everybody's really diving into it with the idea of, well, maybe she was just a powerful woman and people wanted to smear her name and take her money. And I love that things are starting to change where people are thinking about history differently. Well, and it's interesting because I mean, some, some of them we may never know, yeah. you know. Exactly. It's I true. was just going to say with Elizabeth, either way, got to respect the hustle. Right. <laughs> she was killing it one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Did oh, I not mention yeah. we also do terrible puns? <laughs> By we, she means she does terrible yes. puns. Is there any other kind? That's the best. (laughs) Oh, man. So you guys want to just jump in and hear a story? Yeah. So obviously the theme is oceans. And we decided to go historical because that's kind of our jam. Did think like maybe we should go outside of our, oh, my God, we need to cover these women. There's like half a second of maybe going, doing something else. And that did not happen. Emily's like half a second, like maybe we'll cover the Megalodon or something. And then she's like, no, never mind. (laughs) They're okay. Keena, I told you about this on Twitter, but there was actually a crime uh, in Australia. Someone was murdered. Their body was dumped in the ocean and like a tiger shark ate the arm and then got caught, put in an aquarium and then threw up the arm and everyone's like, (laughs) what and it had tattoos so everyone was like that's jimmy's arm or whatever and i thought about doing that but we didn't incredible oh can you imagine being working that day and just being like what is that (laughs) like i don't even know what the protocol for this is right now i don't get paid in my training manual (laughs) 
Right? You're like the new person. You're just like, um, <laughs> yeah. Nobody's, like, nobody's going to believe me. <laughs> right. Like, I have to call my boss in, but I'm going to call him and he's just going to be like, ha ha, very funny. <laughs> right. So today, Kelly and I are covering Pirate Queens Anne Bonny and Mary Read. Yes. So I covered Anne Bonny, Kelly covered Mary Read, and we kind of like got our notes together, poured some wine, lit some candles, and had them get into it. So we're going to be kind of trading off as we read. Awesome. So Anne Bonny was born sometime in 1697 or 1700. Who knows? History's crazy. In Old Head in Kinsale in County Cork, Ireland. Well, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> her mother, Mary, was a servant and her father, William, was her mother's married employer. So sketch at best, horrifying at worst. We don't yeah. know much about her childhood, but it was probably rough considering she was the secret bastard child of her mom's boss so we do know that Anne accompanied her father to London as he was trying to escape his wife's family for very obvious reasons where William began dressing Anne as a boy and calling her Andy so he's presenting Anne as the son of a relative who had been put into his care which like helped him hide the affair I don't know why Anne had to be a boy though like (laughs) Couldn't your relative have just, have just like hoisted their daughter off onto you? Maybe. But whatever. When William's wife, i.e. not Anne's mother, found out what he was up to and Anne's identity, she financially cut him off, forcing oh. him to move to present day South Carolina. So he had to peace out of, you know, Ireland, London, all of that and come all the way to the United States because that's Man. how pissed she was. His, his wife must have been a powerful family. Right? That's You don't hear that Honestly, often. I do woman. not blame the wife at all. It's no, true. but you don't hear it that exactly. often, especially in the 16, 1700s of a woman being yeah. able to be like, no, you're done. You have to leave. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. So like, good on her. She's she's the right? secret hero of the story. She's like, I'm worth <laughs> more than that, William. <laughs> so this time he also took his formants former servant Anne's mother Mary with them him Anne and Mary all decide to go to South Carolina and try to be like a legitimate family (laughs) unsurprisingly things got off to a rough start though but William was a lawyer and used his law brain to make enough money to purchase a townhouse and a plantation and he eventually began raking in the cash as a merchant bumpy start but then he's like I'm a lawyer (laughs) yeah he actually was the original Bob Lawblaw's law blog before there were blogs. Oh. So when Anne was only 12 years old, her mother died. And this must have really sucked for her father, not just because he lost his romantic partner, but because now he needed to raise Anne on his own. So Anne was described as having a temper that was as fiery as her red hair. <laughs> Apparently, when she was 13 years old, she stabbed a servant with a knife. What? <laughs> so this isn't just like she's got a fiery temper. She has opinions. This is she's a straight up murderer. <laughs> I want to know. I want to so know the context, but that's bad. Wow. Yeah, I don't. It was some kind of disagreement, or I don't know if the servant looked at her wrong or what was going on. But Jeez. Anne was not having they, it. They they served her dinner from the left instead of the right, so she just. <laughs> 
That's yes. intense. Oh. Right. Right there with the butter knife, too. It wasn't even sharp, so it really <laughs> hurt. Oh, yikes. <laughs> but yeah, so I wrote that that's not having a fiery temper. That's being a violent lunatic. Yes. But I digress. <laughs> Her ferocity did come in handy when a potential suitor tried to just really quick trigger warning for sexual assault. It's two seconds. A potential suitor tried to rape her, and she responded by nearly beating him to death. Yes. That is an appropriate response. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, she's a lunatic, but also good on Yan. Yes. So, rumors began to swirl about Anne. Some said she was sleeping with local fishermen and getting drunk in taverns, which honestly is, like, not the worst Friday night ever. No, that's a pre-COVID Friday night in a fishing town. Come on. Yes. <laughs> hey, fishermen are damage. usually pretty ripped. Have you like seen them? Like the, all the physical work they're they do. They're lugging those crab yeah. nets up and they're salty from the sea. So they're seasoned for you. Like bring it on. <laughs> oh, good. They can hook you up with the freshest of fish. There you go. <laughs> You're really selling it. <laughs> And you know, very savvy. <laughs> yeah, you you got to get the fish fry after you know the fishermen. Exactly. The rumors of her being promiscuous and a little fish slut began to harm <laughs> William's business and his reputation. And maybe as a part of her rebellious streak, Anne married a small-time pirate named James Bonnie, probably for the last name because I would marry someone for that last name. It's very fancy. Hundred percent. It, it probably reminded her of home because it sounds Irish. Yeah, because she's Irish. She's a redheaded Irish woman. She may be related to Grace O'Malley. Who knows? Other pirate queen. There are some parallels. So James was hoping to get a piece of Anne's daddy's riches, but William disowned Anne for marrying a low-level pirate. So <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, right. So no money for you. <laughs> He's living his life. I can't understand why my wife would have cut me off and run me out of my home. And then Anne comes along as his like divine retribution. I get it now. I get it. Some people just need to be told no. But don't feel too bad for Anne. She and her new hubby moved to New Providence Island in the Bahamas, which was a poppin' pirate island, also known as the Republic of Pirates. I want to go but there. Not be- yes. But not before Anne set fire to her father's plantation. So who really won that fight? (laughs) Anne's like, fine. No money for you either. William's like, I wish I had thought of that when I got kicked out of my house. Damn. That's such a mic drop moment. Right. Right. Like, she got the last word. End of story. (laughs) So now Anne is chilling with her pirate husband on Pirate Island. But if she thought she'd run off with a seafaring bad boy... Guess again. And this really reminds me of like those movies you see where the nice girl, you know, with the poodle skirt runs off with the 50s greaser and he's like, we're going to beat everything with our love. And he turns out to be the bastard that everyone said he was. And she's like, how could this have happened? Like, that's exactly what happens here. (laughs) Governor Woods Rogers, famous for having two last names, sailed onto the scene and Anne's husband became a narc informing to the governor on local pirate activity boo yeah Yeah, poor form like justice and whatever but come on james (laughs) so 
Anne was not a fan of this, and it hurt her reputation as a servant-stabbing plantation burner. So, really, it was the opposite of the good girl getting with the greaser. It was, a you know, the greaser going with the good girl and then being like, dude, stop being so good. Fuck you. <laughs> so, Anne began hanging out with pirates at local taverns, kind of, you know, going back to her roots. And that's where she met John Calico Jack Rackham, which is just the best name. It is. Apparently, Calico Jack liked to dress flamboyantly, and Anne was into it. And I saw a drawing of him, and he looks like a theater pirate. Like, he's got the puffy (laughs) sleeves and, like, the long lace cuffs. The big hat. And the long jacket. Yes. Feathers everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So the two began to shiver each other's timbers, and she must have really rocked his boat because Calico Jack (laughs) offered Anne's husband money to divorce her. (laughs) I forgot I included puns. (laughs) This is incredible. (laughs) So Mr. Bonnie responded with a firm no and physical threats. So even though he's not even really into his wife and his wife's super not into him, he's like, you can't pay me off to divorce her. In the end, Anne and Calico Jack ran off because they're pirates and don't give a fuck about marital laws, which quite frankly, so many of them were like made up nonsense back then. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, Anne did divorce her husband and she and Calico Jack had a lovely ceremony at sea possibly during an epic battle where they had to scream their vows at each other, a la Pirates of the Caribbean. Who knows? History had canon. That's exactly how it went down. Cracking and all. Yes. (laughs) 1,000%. So Calico Jack was a more enterprising pirate than Anne's former but still technical husband. He had his own pirate crew, which Anne joined. Allegedly, Anne made her pirating debut by making up a dressmaker's mannequin as a corpse with fake blood, blood, mangled limbs and all. And when a French ship sailed by, Anne stood over the quote-unquote corpse with an axe. And I imagine there was some like evil laughing in there because the (laughs) ship surrendered her cargo without a fight. They were like, nope, not dealing with that bitch. (laughs) That's incredible. That blows my mind because I feel like nowadays we would all just be like so in shock we wouldn't react. Mm-hmm. But back then, they were dealing with horrors on a daily basis. Life was a nightmare, and they see this, and they're not just like, average Tuesday. <laughs> what you gonna do? Yeah, Bitches and axes and dead bodies. <laughs> <laughs> so sailors are a suspicious breed, and women were seen as bad luck at sea. In fact, sailors would often say, like a woman, a ship is unpredictable. Life is unpredictable, okay? Get over it. But they believed that women angered the sea gods, which would punish them with rough weather. Because God forbid they be held accountable. (laughs) So one of the most infamous pirates, Blackbeard, said that if any of his crew took a woman captive, she was to be strangled and tossed overboard. Seems a bit excessive. (laughs) Such an ally to women. Right. (laughs) One star would not recommend. (laughs) So I want to be very clear about the hypocrisy of the no girls allowed at sea rule. Women went out to sea. They did all the time working as servants, sex workers, laundresses, cooks, and other support roles. So the message is actually that women at sea are bad luck 
unless they're sucking your cock and making you a sandwich and doing your laundry and doing your laundry yeah all at the same time if able like that's a prize (laughs) sandwich making one hand laundry in the other and you don't need a hand for the third exactly So myths about women at sea are so pervasive that the International Seafarers Welfare and Assistance Network, or ISWAN, ISWAN, whatever, made their theme for their annual Day of the Seafarer, I am on board with gender equality, which is precious. My heart. As a part of this, they published an article dispelling common myths about women at sea. And just really quick, I want to say this was in 2019. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to be like, what year was this? Yeah, this was 2019 that they had to have their theme. I'm on board with gender equality. Kelly and I are going to spit at you a bitch and bullet list of the myths about women at sea that were in this 2019 article that this organization feels that really need to be dispelled. So... Mm-hmm. Women are unlucky. Women are a safety risk because they will distract the male crew members. Female employees will leave to have a baby. And a ship is too tough for a woman. And honestly, these are myths that are pervasive in many industries. So really sad to see that shit in 2019. But this is the world we're living in. Yeah. So to prevent men from turning into a bunch of barnacles and dress as a man. This may have been after crew members threw a fit about her being a woman because there's a report that she stabbed him. So, like, a crew member found out she was a woman and was like, man, women at sea, man. She's just like, stab. So, I guess it was easier to dress as a man than to just start stabbing everyone, like, if you start running out of people really quickly. So, the only ones who knew Anne's true identity were Calico Jack and another suspiciously feminine crewmate, Mary Reed. Yay. <laughs> so you're so excited Ma- for your lady. I am. Mary's early life is largely unknown, like my, many women in history. And much of the information on Mary's life um, is derived from a book that a man named Captain Charles Johnson wrote. And the book is A General History of the Robberies and Murders of the Most Notorious Pirates, spelled with a Y. Which came out in 1724, but it's it's highly disputed, and they think he made a lot of it up, which that's kind of history. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so what we think we know uh, is Mary Reed was born to the Kingdom of England in 1685. It is said that her mother married a sailor and had a son, but soon after, her husband disappeared at sea or abandoned her. Who knows? History's up in the air. One of the two. And during this time, soon after her husband disappeared, Mary's mother fell pregnant again after a love affair, which, I mean, is it really a fair if your husband isn't there anymore? I was going to say if he's dead or he voluntarily peaced out. So, yeah, her mother did try to hide the pregnancy, probably because, you know, her husband's gone. And that looks real shady. So as one does, she went to, you know, the country to live with friends, you know, and then that way she can come back and be like, I picked up this child. I don't know. However, <laughs> I found yeah. her on the side of the road. I adopted her. Dancing um, for, for tuppence. Yeah, right? <laughs> However, shortly after moving to the country, her son from the, her first marriage died. And then she gave birth to Mary. So her son died and then she had Mary. In financial distress, obviously, because she moved out 
you know, her husband's gone. She moved out to the country to live with friends. So she probably doesn't have a job. Her mother decided to disguise Mary as her dead son so that her potentially dead husband's mother would continue giving essentially child support. Well, that's pretty. Yep. That's, that's where we're at. (laughs) Mary's Um, definitely not going to have any hangups later on in life. (laughs) Pretending to be a dead brother. Right. (sighs) Apparently they fooled the grandmother so well that the mother and daughter were able to live on this inheritance until Mary was 13 when the old woman died. So, Wow. You know, 13 years. I have a feeling they it's didn't a long see time her a lot. Poor old woman. Yeah, right. <laughs> so even after grandma died, well, actually, it wouldn't even be her grandma. Step grandma. Uh, Mary continued to dress as a boy. And soon after her grandma died, she went on to serve as a powder monkey. Um, <laughs> yep, that's what it was called. Um <laughs> Basically, she was someone that would carry around bags of gunpowder on a ship from the ship's hold to the gun crews. That's why they called it a powder monkey, which is great. I always so she- I always used to imagine a powder monkey as like a- almost like a gopher, except their job was to come in and like touch up the powdered wigs of judges or like That's funny. aristocrats where it's like, oh, no, it's starting to look not as white and dusty. Let me touch that up for you. No, it's, it's a monkey. We taught how to do makeup. <laughs> so me. Anyways, so she, she was a powder monkey and a British man of war during the War of the Grand Alliance, which was, I think, around the time of like the Spanish Civil War. So we're kind of in that era. And then after that, she went and joined the Army of Flanders, which was a town. And she served in both the in- infantry and cavalry. So she learned how to ride a horse and she was just a general badass in combat. Well, that's really cool. Um, mm. During this time, she fell in love with her bunkmate and divulged her secret to him, you know, being like, I'm in love with you, but I'm a woman, so it's okay. Initially, the this soldiers... This straight su- Mulan. Right? Oh, yeah. Or like yeah. a shoujo manga. Like, this story has been written in manga form. I swear, like, 800 oh, times. I swear to God. <laughs> so initially, this instead of, you know, wanting to marry her, the soldier suggested that Mary become his mistress. As Captain Johnson, the guy who wrote the book that may or may not be correct, said, quote, he thought of nothing but gratifying his passions with very little ceremony. End quote. <laughs> Basically, he wanted sex. Fuck boy. <laughs> yes. What 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 is the saying that I've heard people say? Why why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Mm. Yeah, that's like, what it reminds me of. Yeah. So Mary told him no, and with apparent no sense of irony, she said that she was a reserved and proper lady. <laughs> Because she was, she was in love with this guy, she was like, you know, fine, if you're not going to marry me or you're not going to like marry me because I'm in the army and it would be weird. She informed her entire regiment that she was a woman and quit the army. Whoa. That's a power. That's a mic drop. Yeah. Right? <laughs> she did. They did go on to get married, which is good because <laughs> I would be pissed otherwise. Um, what a twist. Right. And she used their military commissions and gifts from intrigued brethren in arms. So, like, some of her crewmates were like, that's weird and kind of cool. So they, like, you know, gave her gifts for their their wedding. 
And they they actually acquired an inn that they named the Three Horseshoes in the Netherlands. Oh, cool. So she's out there living her life with her husband. Unfortunately, he died not too long into their marriage. And she ended she ended up not being able to take care of the in without him, probably because she wasn't probably getting any pension or anything from the military because she was a woman. So they probably didn't recognize her service. And with him dead, yeah. you know, she was basically shit out of luck. So she then resumed dressing as a male and went back into military service, this time in the Netherlands. However, there was this was peacetime. So there was no room for advancement basically she was they were just like yep you're you know lowest rank and that's kind of where you're gonna stay because we don't really need you right now there's never a war on when you need one right so she quit and boarded a ship bound for the west indies to try and find better work however mary's ship was taken by pirates whom she decided to willingly join she must have been real bored (laughs) so she became a buccaneer and she and her crewmates sailed to Nassau in the in the Bahamas. Um, in about 1717-ish, I read somewhere between really 1716 to 1719, there was a royal edict issued that would pardon any pirate who surrendered. This was like a huge thing. And although some of the cr- Mary's crewmates accepted the offer, it's unknown if Mary did or not. Um, however, she did go on to take a commission as a privateer and then joined the crew of that ship in a mutiny against the captain. So they were like, you know what? No, we want to be pirates still. <laughs> At, shortly after that mutiny, she went on to join Calico Jack and Anne Bonnie, who both believed her to be a man. That's so what a ride. I, I love yeah. that. Both of these women have a flair for the dramatic exit. It's true. Right? Whether it's telling, whether it's burning down a plantation or telling your entire military unit, hey, I'm a chick. Deal with it. <laughs> I'm a chick. I'm in love with this guy. We're getting hey, married. You over there? We're getting married. Now, get over here. Captain, <laughs> shop, shop. Let's do this. Right. Oh, and, and sh- I didn't mention this, but she she went by Mark when dressed under a ma- as a male. She went by Mark Reed instead of Mary. Oh, well, that's cool. So, Did you guys ever watch Black Sails? No, Mm-mm. they make an appearance on that show. It's do good. they? <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Is that on Netflix, Hulu, probably oh, HBO? It's on Stars. Stars, one of them. Yeah, it's oh, okay. got all the big pirates on it. But yeah, and Bonnie cool. is a, a real big character, and then I think Mary Reed shows up and like the last 20 minutes and i was like what yeah that sounds accurate <laughs> you guys do very dirty like that yeah like you can tell it's her but then like she never even says the who she is oh that's dumb ends. i was like seriously so that's dumb hate it yeah <laughs> yeah this I is one know. of those rare cases where we have one woman overshadowing another woman <laughs> instead yeah. of a man overshadowing a woman so we have Anne bonnie mary reed and calico jack and the two women are masquerading as men on this ship. Yes. So Mary and Bonnie had earned a reputation, both of them separately, be- for being ruthless and were described as, quote, very profig. Oh, God. What is that word? Prof- <laughs> Prolificate. 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 I don't know. 
Anyways, but they would they would curse and swear, and they were very ready and willing to do anything on board. Everything was going well until Anne became pregnant, and it was becoming obvious she didn't have a glorious beer belly. Oh. So to prevent the rest of the crew from discovering her gender, Calico Jack dropped Anne off in Cuba where she gave birth to their son. Yay. After Anne rejoined the crew, not sure what happened to her kid. She, Mary, and Calico Jack stole a ship named William, which was anchored in Nassau, Pirate Island, in the Bahamas on the 22nd of August in 1720. So we're still in the 17, early 1700s. So apparently this was their way of ditching the old crew because the trio recruited a new one, working primarily in and around Jamaica. It's possible that at this time, Anne stopped concealing her gender and worked openly as a woman, though she still wore pants like a rebel and she didn't need a permit for it. (laughs) So just speaking in general of women dressing as men, scholars are uncertain how female pirates like Mary and Anne concealed their sex in a male-dominated environment. Some of them have theorized that wearing breeches the breaches may have either been a method of hiding their identity or simple, simply just practical, which that would solidify work, their place working on board the ship and among other seamen. And I'm just guessing like a lot of their shirts were loose, but it's true. If you think about it, a lot of pirate crews, they're out in the hot sun. They take their shirts off, they, you know, like while they're working. So yeah, it's, it's, I wonder if any of that ever came up, like, aren't you hot in your shirt? And they're just like, no, nah, I'm fine. <laughs> So it's interesting that even scholars are like, yeah, we don't really know how that like how they managed to do it. So Anne wasn't just a kept pirate queen. She was an active member of the crew fighting alongside the men with as much ferocity, if not more. And that was the cool thing that Mary and Anne weren't just like women who happened to be on a pirate ship. They were straight up pirates in yeah, their they own were, right. They were 100 percent active members. So while we know for sure that Anne and Calico Jack were an item, it is said that Anne and Mary were also probably lovers. And honestly, it makes a ton of sense. They're both enterprising women who had similar childhoods and are clearly comfortable making it in a male-dominated world. They have a lot in common, and I imagine held an immense amount of respect for each other. Oh, yeah. It just makes a lot of sense. Oops. Honestly, th- there's so many similarities between the two of them. I bet they were just so re- like, I found my best friend and my girlfriend. Like, this is the best thing that has ever happened to me ever. This is the most fun I've had since I pretended to be my dead brother for the first 13 years of my life. Like, <laughs> right? really. So there's a new statue of the couple, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. But the sculptor describes their relationship saying, quote, Individually, they were strong, independent women. But when Anne, who she describes as being associated with the element of fire, and Mary, Earth, combined, they were dangerously unstoppable. Wow, I like that. Right. I want to be dangerously unstoppable. Right? Right? You are. And you're doing it on your own. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't don't need another person. So allegedly when Anne first met Mary, who was dressed as a man, she dressed as a woman and tried to seduce Mary. So Mary's dressed as a man, so Anne dresses as a woman to try and seduce her. However, Mary went on to reveal her breasts to reveal that she was a woman. Honestly, this sounds like a manga. Like, we mentioned that before. But I can picture it. Anne is, you know, laying the moves on Mary. And Mary's just like, hey, I'm a woman. 
here's my tits. And Anne goes, yeah, that's even better. <laughs> it really does sound like a manga. Right. Like I read five of these, like I'm a girl pretending to be a boy mangas in middle school. And they, there's always the moment where you eventually have to be like, here are my boobs. Ah! Initially, Calico Jack was jealous of Anne's relationship with Mary and one day burst into her cabin a- intending to slit her throat. Ooh, Mary nice. sat up and opened her blouse. Calico Jack agreed to keep Mary's secret from the rest of the crew and continued to treat her as an equal. He was also somewhat appeased when she took up with a male crewmate. This is like a trope in of itself in women's history. We've covered several stories where a woman has had to flash her tits for freedom. Right. There was there was a woman who was being charged with being too hot that it was like a sin to the the Roman gods or whatever. And so her she took off her top and was like, if the gods, you know, didn't want me to have these amazing tits, would they, they even would, give them yeah, to me exactly. in the first place? <laughs> and then there was another story in like uh, ancient. Greece or Rome or whatever, this woman became a doctor when it was illegal for women to be doctors. And she's treating all the women for the gynecological issues. And all the women are super like, this is great. We love having a female doctor. So the men think that she's sleeping with all of their wives and they try her for, you know, finagling or philandering or whatever. And so she rips her shirt open. She's like, I'm a woman. I'm not fucking your wives. (laughs) right she's like i don't have a dick you need to work on it (laughs) right it's funny so i just i love this like theme of like flashing your tits for freedom (laughs) right i think it's funny so this male crewmate that mary took up with according to various accounts he was a carpenter on calico jack's ship and mary fell in love with him Um, However, soon after they started their relationship, Mary became racked with fear and concern when her lover began a feud with another pirate on board, which they decided to settle by a duel on land. Apparently, her lover wasn't super, like, fighting savvy, and so not wanting her lover to be branded a coward by retreating and knowing that he was unlikely to win... She decided to instigate her own feud with the same pirate and scheduled their duel two hours earlier than the one her lover was going to take place in. That is brilliant. Right? <laughs> That's such a woman's solution to like, I'm going to, I'm going to stir the pot here and cause some drama and then right? put the heat on me. Like, and then exactly. I'll this. Mary had military experience that her lover lacked, and once upon land, Mary's duel against the pirate ended in his death by her sword and pistol. And so, Mary saved her lover from an almost certain death. Well, true. Plus, she could be like, oh, I knew you could do that, honey. But I, I knew you could do it. I just, I, I'm sorry. I just, I fucked up, and I made him angry, and I just, I didn't know your duel was in two hours. I'm sorry. He told me I should smile more, and I just lost my shit. <laughs> yeah, I just, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> uh, he smacked my ass, and I know he thinks I'm a dude, and it's okay, but I will not stand for it. <laughs> no one touches my ass but you, honey. Anne and Mary both became very notorious as pirates in their own right. And I'm not sure if Mary herself made the list, but we know Anne became so notorious that Governor Woods Rogers, so this is the dude that her ex-husband was narking to, uh, named her as a, quote, wanted 
or sorry, named her in a wanted pirate circular, which was published in the Boston newsletter. Oh, wow. And like, you weren't a wanted pirate until you were on this list. Like, that's when you know you had made it. Interesting. (laughs) Unfortunately for Anne, a target was on her back and her pirating days were numbered and the same was, was for Mary. So the governor of Jamaica, Nicholas Laws, was getting tired of Anne, Mary, and Calico Jack terrorizing his waters and making him look bad for having a last name that says Laws and him not being able to uphold it. (laughs) He hired a privateer, Jonathan Barnett, to finally bring them to justice. And just really quick, because I learned this, I thought it was interesting. So a privateer is like a contracted pirate. So you're not just going around taking booty. You know, you're a sailor, you're doing your thing. But then if the governor hires you to go after some people and start stirring shit up, you'll totally do that. But a pirate's just like, I answer to no man. So you're, they're a mercenary, essentially. Yeah. They're they're the C version of a mercenary. This is C Deadpool. (laughs) Yes. There you go. So Barnett attacked the pirate crew in October of 1720, but instead of this all-out epic pirate battle that we would have all hoped for and wanted, the pirate crew put up little resistance because most of them were wasted. They were hosting a rum party for another crew of Englishmen, so they were just gone. I want to point out, this is not the first time we've covered a story where combatants were too drunk to do their job. And that's just a little wild to me. <laughs> there was a story we covered where um, during World War One, they formed a battalion of all women to basically shame the demoralized male Russian soldiers into yep. fighting better. And they're in the middle of a battle and all the men are just totally checked out, not having it. And the women charge over the, the trenches into battle. And the men are like, oh crap we can't be outdone by the women so they charge they gain a bunch of ground but then they find some like boxes with the german soldiers liquor in it and all the dudes so all the men get super drunk wasted yeah and so they lose all their ground because the germans start like reorganizing and the dudes are way too drunk to deal with it and the women are like really <laughs> they're like this guys. is why we wanted prohibition you guys can't keep your shit together when you drink <laughs> So near midnight, Anne and Mary were on the deck when they noticed a mysterious sloop gliding up alongside them. They realized it was one of the governor's vessels and they shouted for their crewmates to stand with them. A few obliged, you know, Calico Jack included, but several had passed out from that night's drinking. The sloop's captain, Jonathan Barnett, ordered the pirates to surrender, but Calico Jack began firing his swivel gun. Barnett ordered a counterattack and the barrage of fire disabled Calico's Jack's ship and sent the few men on deck to cowering in the hold. So there's like a little shouting, a little gunplay, but like two shots in and all the dudes are like noping out of this. Outnumbered, Calico Jack signaled surrender and called for quarter. Anne and Mary refused to surrender and they remained on deck and faced the governor's men alone, firing their pistols and swinging their cutlasses. So they're just being badasses. The men are cowering and they're just like, guys, come on. (laughs) And even the captain is like, nope, nope, you got us. We're done. And Anne's like, excuse me, you do not speak for me. (laughs) Right. 
understandably, Mary was so pissed that she apparently yelled at the crew, if there is a man among ye, you'll come up and fight like the man ye are to be. Whoa. What? They- we know. Badass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm just imagining this. They are these notorious pirates who are getting named and called out by the governor. They're working with all these dudes. And I bet they are just super fed up with carrying this crew. I just imagine everyone is half-assing it and they are working their butts off and like they're up to here and they're done. So when no one responded, Mary fired a shot at the men, killing one. (laughs) Yeah, she was just pissed. So... As Barnett's men came onto the ship, the men, the drunk men were obviously quickly subdued and Anne and Mary stood fighting side by side as they had so many times before to the last. No, they didn't. They didn't die. They were captured. (laughs) So this was like the back to back epic sea battle we're kind of hoping for. Right. No Kraken, but still cool. (laughs) The two badass women. Yeah. Like so better. Yeah. (laughs) So Anne, Mary, and Calico Jack were convicted of piracy and sentenced to be hanged. Allegedly, Anne's last words to her pirate husband, Calico Jack, were, quote, had you fought like a man, you need not have been hanged like dog. Which is amazing. (laughs) I think she was getting real sick of Calico Jack. Like, they were heading towards a split. And she's like, well, thanks, Governor. You did it for me. Now I don't have to deal with a messy breakup. (laughs) Oh, she has had it. That's hilarious. Yeah. During the trial, a woman who had been robbed by the pirates testified against them. Her name was Dorothy Thomas, and she left a description of Mary and Anne saying, quote, they wore men's jackets and long trousers and handkerchiefs tied about their heads, and each of them had a machete and a pistol in their hand, and they cursed and swore at the men to murder her. Dorothy. She also said that she knew they were women, quote, from the largeness of their breasts, end quote. So, like, a woman knows, okay? <laughs> They're fooling all these men, but a woman takes a look. She's like, oh, no. Them They're titties, definitely women. You know. Dem titties. Yeah. <laughs> I see them every day. I know what they look like. Right. These, I know what they oh, look like in a shirt, guys. Men. <laughs> these seafaring men have been so starved of female contact. They think manatees are women. They don't know what they're looking at. <laughs> uh, accurate. <laughs> so now women may have been bad luck at sea, but it's what would save them from a death penalty. Both Anne and Mary pleaded their bellies, which was actually a process in English common law in which women who were pregnant could receive reprieve from the death penalty until after they gave birth. So like good on old English law, They weren't going to murder a bunch of pregnant women (laughs) until after they'd given birth. Then we're fine. We're good. Yeah. Essentially, they're not going to kill the child. Yeah. Yeah. So good on them. Credit where credit's due. In some instances, saying you were pregnant may have garnered sympathy from a jury or judge, which like, I think we've even seen that today in true crime cases. Like someone will be like, but I'm pregnant or I'm a mother. And it's like, yeah, but you decapitated someone. So... Yeah, in this case, they didn't get the sympathy. They just got the reprieve of, no, we'll murder you when when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> However, uh, Mary Reed would never get to taste freedom again. She never even got the chance to 
really go outside again. She didn't end up getting hanged. She unfortunately developed a fever and died in prison not long after her trial, actually, probably sometime in early April of 1721. We guess early April because she was buried on April 28th of 1721, which this is recorded in the the records of St. Catherine's Church in Jamaica. So like the one thing we know for sure about Mary Reed is when she was buried. 100% died. We know, yeah, she we know that she died. Um, the interesting <laughs> thing is there is no record of the bur- a burial of a, her baby. So she probably died while pregnant. Oh, so that's. Or they made it up. That's the other option, I guess. Yeah, that'd be the less depressing that's, option. <laughs> yeah. And what of Anne Bonny? The fiery redheaded pirate queen's fate is obscure. There's no record of her ever being released from prison, only a ledger which lists her as Anne Bonnie, spelled without an E. So her name is A-N-N-E, and the Smith spells her name as A-N-N. So who knows? <laughs> uh, it says she was buried on December 29th, 1733, in the same town where she had been tried. This would have been 13 years after she was captured. And according to the book that Kelly mentioned at the beginning, a general history of the robberies and murders of the most notorious pirates by Captain Charles Johnson. Okay, here's the thing about this book. They're not even sure if Captain Charles Johnson wrote it. He may have stolen it. Right. And most of it may have been made up. It's true. Yes. (laughs) But anyway, so his book was published in 1724. Which was before Anne was allegedly buried. Um, And in the book, he writes, she was continued in prison to the time of her lying in and afterwards reprieved from time to time. But what has become of her sense, we cannot tell. Only this we know that she was not executed. So she may have gotten out. She may have had the baby and gotten out for a little bit. Who knows? Um, It It would also be bullshit. It's suggested in the comments that maybe she slowly poisoned herself so she wasn't hung instead. And I kind of like that, that she just in her her cell was like, fuck you, you won't take me. I'm going to take myself. Oh, that's dark. I love it. (laughs) That person should write for HBO. That's dramatic. (laughs) It is dramatic. So now, now something that must be said about Anne Bonny is that much of what we know about her comes from this book, just like Mary which is probably a lot of myth building. I'm pretty sure so that's the on book our show. that made up the whole Blackbeard legend too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think the pirate with a, a Y should have stayed. I like that, you know. <laughs> when Kelly and I were looking for a topic to cover, I had heard this story about some female pirate who before killing people would like, again, flash her tits to just be like, now you get to know that you died with the indignity of being murdered by a woman. And I thought, and I could not find any record of that, but Kelly did find a picture about Mary Reed, like doing that, but there was nothing written. So I'm just going to assume History it was after cannon. her duel. Herstory headcanon, it happened yeah. after the duel. She killed the guy. And as he's dying, she was like, you don't fuck with my lover and shows him her tits. <laughs> That's what we have decided. You know how guys do like this, like these nuts. She's like, these titties. <laughs> Sorry to steal your herstory headcanon there, Emily, but I was like, it, it no, happened after no. the duel. Herstory headcanon. The last thing a lot of people saw were those glorious breasts <laughs> bouncing in the wind. 
Oops. My dogs uh, have to do tricks to eat, so that's why they're being loud. They have oh, to it's talk. fine. That's okay. We also have dogs who are obnoxious, so we get it. Uh, we have to put a TV up at the, the start of our hallway here where our recording room is, because otherwise my pugs will just come and scratch at the door if I'm in here alone. They have straight up busted through the door on more than one occasion. Yeah, one time it scared the shit out of Emily. I don't know if it made it into the episode or not, but it was it no, was it one did. of our Halloween episodes. And our black oh. pug busted in and Emily's like, the fuck? The fuck? It was great. It yeah, was I great. was talking about this woman who gunned down her boyfriend in the street. And then this little black shape, like the door bursts open. <laughs> this little black shape comes out of nowhere. I'm like, death is so tiny. <laughs> No, it's just my old deaf dog. So to end this on a less obscure, sad, dead in prison note, we have a legacy section for Mary Reed and Anne Bonnie. Or a so legacy Anna section. Has, we yeah, sometimes we call it a legacy because we love a good history pun. <laughs> so Anne and Mary have gone down in history as two of the most infamous female pirates ever, and were some of the most infamous period of the 18th century. They have obviously captured the public imagination as being the only two well-documented female pirates of what is called the Golden Age of Piracy. So not just the 18th century, but the Golden Age of Piracy. And this is in an age of society where the freedom of women was greatly restricted. So Mary and Anne lived a life at sea as full members of a pirate crew was huge. Yeah. And despite all of this, their stories have largely been lost to history, particularly the details surrounding their romantic relationship. Even that is really subject to who you ask. Hursery headcanon, they were lovers, end of story, done. <laughs> right. Um, so there is an Audible exclusive podcast called Hellcats, which explores their story and their romance. Oh, cool. Mary Reed appears with Anne Bonny as the primary protagonist in the Well-Behaved Women series of books. The Baja Brigade, Brigade yeah, the Baja Brigade immortalizes the couple in their song, The Ballad of Mary Reed and Anne Bonny. Anne is also a fe featured in Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Oh, I like cool. that. I would just like to say in, in her notes, uh, Emily wrote Glad. Shut up, I changed it. Flag. Um, <laughs> Shut up, I changed it. You also, can't prove anything. <laughs> Anne, Anne appears in Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Mary Reed also appears in Black Flag and is voiced by Olivia Morgan. She poses as James Kidd, the illegitimate son of Captain William Kidd, and is a member of the Assassin Assassin's Order. Spoiler alert. Yeah, cool. <laughs> You you ruined it for everyone now. What are we on Assassin's Creed like 12? <laughs> I don't know, but I really want to play it because it's Valhalla, which is like Norse-based, which is I love Norse-based stuff. Anyways, continue. So Mary Reed is a playable character in Fate Grand Order as a writer class and an archer class servant along with Anne Bonny. So they're making a lot of video game appearances. So, right. And I like that them. they're including them, both of them. Yeah. Um, the 2006 yeah. TV film True Caribbean Pirates featured Mary Reed. Apparently it didn't feature Anne Bonny. So good on them for picking the lesser known of the women. Yeah, because Anne, Anne Bonny's definitely kind of uh, she's usually featured first on the marquee. 
when people are talking about these two. So yeah. well, probably because she was she was known to be married to Calico Jack and he was a fairly well-known pirate. So that's probably one of the reasons. Stabbing people and burning down plantations also makes a big <laughs> statement. So it does. <laughs> Um, the 1961 Italian film Le Adventure de Mary Reed told the story of Mary Reed, who was portrayed by Lisa Gastoni. Who's like Don't a famous my Italian. Italian person. No, it's okay. I had to throw something <laughs> mean in there for you. <laughs> so, as, so as Emily would say, for you weebs out there, there is also, um, they were also featured in the anime Detective Conan movie, Jolly Roger in the Deep Azure. What? And I, I looked it up. I think they're just featured in a painting, but in the painting, they're like back to back, like Charlie's Angel style. <laughs> right. Amazing. Fun fact. My name means Conan. <laughs> nice. Shut up. After- really? Yeah. They name after Conan the Barbarian. Nice. <laughs> you have the coolest parents. That's true. Yeah. But I was obsessed with Conan. Oh my my name God. literally is Gaelic for feminine of Conan. So that that's awesome. Oh, wow. Um, A statue was unveiled just this year at Execution Dock in London that depicts the two figures standing tall but connected at the hip. The artist, Amanda Cotton, titled it Inexorable and made it from marine concrete. It will be moved to its permanent home on Berg Island in South Devon, England, uh, which used to be a popular pirate port. I would assume Ooh. the moving of the statue has probably been delayed due to COVID. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So right now it's like on the shores of the Thames, which is also really cool to me. But if any listeners, we we request this of our listeners, and we're going to request it of yours. Maybe your listeners will actually send us a photo. <laughs> um, so if she has any people in London, and I would, because I would assume the statue is still at execution dock because... Why would they move it? Either if you can go to Execution Dock and see it, or when it gets moved to Berg Island in the South Devon, England, if you can get a picture of it and send it to us, we will love you forever. Yeah. Well, we probably already do, but we will love you even more forever. I don't know. So the threshold uh, for our love is so low. low. (laughs) There is another sculpture, and it is believed to be from the 18th century, and it is believed to be of Mary Reed. And it is fixed to the front elevation. I don't know why they decided to word it that way, because I, I suppose they don't call it the front. But it's, so it's the front elevation of an 18th century building known as the Earl Arms Public House. Oh. I don't know what that is. And it is in Hayden, Norfolk. Oh, cool. I love that they were. That's pretty cool. I, I mean, it makes sense because the British were so active in the Bahamas and Jamaica in that area at the time but i just love right of how much love they're getting from like england and the uk and yeah oh i want to yeah, see it that is the story of right. pirate queens and bonnie and mary reed that was so good i know like uh, we did a pirate theme and i know we talked about them for like a sentence but yeah that was so cool to go like in depth with them and especially because like, I watch Black Sails and Abani is a big character. It's been interesting to kind of learn the real story behind the characters after I watched it because I didn't really know when I was watching it. I was just like, oh, okay. Checks right. out. That's cool. <laughs> oh, real, real quick. So Dion says that a public house is a pub. Oh, that's oh. cool. 
the more you know. Rainbow. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. See, they know the answers. They're like my fact checkers. Nice. <laughs> Make fun of me when I can't pronounce French. French is the one like you got Italian. No, French. Oh, French. no, French is our biggest enemy. <laughs> so hard. Oh, I butcher it every time. The only oh. the only French word that I 100% know I'm pronouncing correctly, and it is my favorite French word, is guillotine. <laughs> As well, it should be the, the best one. I actually, it's not a guillotine, but from when I went to the Tower of London, I have a little headsman's block with the axe, oh, and it, cool. makes, it makes me happy when I see it. Oh, uh, when I went to, I got to go to Paris in college, and we were in like a bus tour thing or whatever and we're going around a corner and they're like and this is the corner where the guillotine was and everybody lost their heads and my american ass was like oh there's gonna be a fake guillotine and it's gonna be like what no there's nothing there no <laughs> I, I they just still That's have one at the tower of london Bush got murdered probably yeah. emily you should read dion's comment because it'll make you happy oh no I had lunch in Edinburgh overlooking the spot where they burn people at the stake. Oh my God, how delightful. (laughs) There was actually, so I I studied abroad in Scotland and I went to Edinburgh a lot, but I stayed in Dalkeith, which is just outside the city. And one night I was walking like through the town with some of the, the, like, I don't know, student advisory people who knew more than me. And they're like, see this spot in the cobblestones where it's a circle and it's all decorative? And I was like, yeah. And they go, that's where they used to burn witches. And I'm like, and it's just like in the street next to a bike rack? (laughs) Horrifying stuff around every corner in Europe. You just have to look anywhere. (laughs) I love that in Dalkeith, they kind of memorialize it, but just by slightly prettier cobblestone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they just acknowledged it. They're like, no one cares, but like, here you go. So for my segment, I was going to do funny. And since we're talking Yay! about, you know, pirates and the ocean, I thought it'd be fun to kind of unpack some of the weird, funny, wild superstitions, legends, and rituals surrounding the deep blue sea. Yay. Mm. So but this is awesome. awesome. <laughs> I really think that like, you know, pirates and sailors are probably some of the most superstitious. Yeah, there, there's a lot. <laughs> Two of the main reasons usually cited as favorable to the growth of superstition in dangerous working conditions and the degree in which success or failure is affected by luck rather than skill. So that comes from the Oxford Dictionary of English Folklore, which until today I did not know existed. So basically, like, the ocean is a very murdery mistress, so... You're going to be superstitious because you don't want to die. <laughs> yeah, like women, the ocean is unpredictable. Yeah, it's very unpredictable. And I mean, sure, if I thought that if I, you know, walked backwards or stepped a certain way and I would survive, I would do that because I'm also, I'm not going to tempt the fates. As someone who lives with anxiety and OCD, like I engage in a lot of magical thinking and rituals and things that just reinforce my anxiety where it's like, if I don't do this one thing, bad things are going to happen. So like, I, I'm totally on board with them being superstitious. I'm like, I get it. My modern life is already unpredictable enough, let alone like being right. in the open ocean, just being like, I might well, die in five minutes. Who knows? Like months at a time to like, probably sometimes a year, year like half a year, yeah. you know, like 
If I can protect myself, yeah. I know. Don't be I know. out there for a long time. I would absolutely do any of these things. <laughs> like, I can't laugh too hard at some of them, because if I lived in that time, I would have totally... Because I, too, have the anxiety. Me, too. I don't know if you guys watch Big Mouth on Netflix, but this season, <gasps> there's uh, the mosquito anxiety, and I'm like, I feel seen. <laughs> Is that uh, the the one where they're at summer camp? Yeah. I, I haven't started it yet. I just saw on Netflix that the new season came out. I'm like, oh, I have to watch it because I love that show. Yeah, we just binged it. But yeah, the new the new monster is a mosquito and it's anxiety. So it's just buzzing around like, you know, oh biting them. And they're like, stop it. Just like, but everybody hates you. <laughs> I'm going to feel personally called out by a Nick Kroll <laughs> show. And uh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I know I did too. And Ziggy's like, is that is that how you feel? And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's what anxiety feels like. Anywho, so let's jump in with a fun legend first, a famous ghost ship. So one of the most famous ghost ships is arguably the Flying Dutchman. She disappeared around the Cape of Good Hope in a storm in the mid-1600s. And according to legend, the captain was cursed and now his ship and crew must sail the seven seas forever. So I didn't know that it was the 1600s when the actual ship went down. Yeah, I didn't either. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. Talk about job security, though. That's <laughs> true. You're I locked couldn't in. Help, couldn't help but think about Pirates of the Caribbean, like, the whole time I was right? reading this. Ah, <laughs> oh, good movies. And though the ship disappeared in the mid-1600s, there have been reported sightings from the 18th to the 20th centuries. So a very long span of time and even kind of modern history, which I did not realize. Yeah. It became a superstition because people that saw the ship believed that it foretold imminent doom or disaster. <laughs> so they would see the ship, somebody would drop dead or they see the ship or it would storm. So they just thought, oh, God, don't see it. <laughs> and, and they the totally mo- ignore the fact that was happening every 10 minutes regardless. Yes, exactly. There's a whole lot of just weird coincidences that could happen. So the most famous report came from the future King George V of England in 1881. Quote, at 4 a.m. the Flying Dutchman crossed our bows, a strange red light as a phantom ship aglow. Thirteen persons altogether saw her. After the sighting, a crewman who first spotted the ship fell to his death off the top mast. And then that's all the crew needed to be like, yep. We're cursed. We're going to die. Right. Like, we're all going to die. <laughs> Just pandemonium. What an auspicious number to 13. Right? Yeah. And just to everybody see it. So there's been more modern accounts. So in 1939, residents of Cape Town, South Africa, claimed to see the vessel under full sail before it suddenly disappeared. That just seems very recent to uh, yeah. ghost ships. And then during World War II, a German submarine crew supposedly saw a ghost ship in the Seuss Canal. Which wow. I found that seems a little bit we- Like, that seems like a weird place. Yeah. <laughs> and then British writer Nicholas Montserrat also spotted something akin to the Flying Dutchman during his time with the Royal Navy in World War II. Yeah, a lot of those are just so recent. Yeah. I did not expect to see, you know, World War II in a list of... Or in you know, or Suez Canal. Yeah. <laughs> seems so weird. Oh, but spoiler alert, it is likely that sailors saw a mirage of sorts instead of a ghost ship, which would have been way cooler if it really was a ghost ship. Especially if right, Orlando right. Bloom on it. He's pretty I love 
how it's implying that the name of this ship is really, really clear because everyone's saying, oh, it's the Flying Dutchman. It's like, is the thing on neon, like on the broad <laughs> side of the ship, just flashing? Yeah. It, just, it just has its name on the ship. It's on the sails, too, so everyone knows. They're branding geniuses. Yes. But as like a lot of the spooky stories on this podcast, I'm going to pop a bubble because there's actually science behind what they're actually seeing. The mm-hmm. Fata Morgana is a phenomenon when light refracts and bends through different temperatures of air. And the surface of the ocean is a perfect medium for this to happen. This is especially true if someone sees a shimmery mirage along the horizon. Someone might also witness along like, you know, when you're looking at a hot asphalt and you see heat waves. You can sometimes yep. see things that are not there. This is the same science. And so during this phenomenon, shapes form in the distance due to plays of light. So in the terms of the Flying Dutchman, the Fata Morgana shows ships that are actually beyond the horizon. And that's oh. because light bends around the curve of the Earth in that's just cool. the right way. So by the time they actually get to the spot where they saw the ship, it'll be gone because it's yeah. way, way, way farther than what they thought it was. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you a second. Are you implying that the earth is not flat? Yes. <laughs> oh, I knew that I'm was coming. I was like, Emily's about to say something about a flat earth. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I well, saw so- like that meme that's like if, if the earth was flat, cats would have thrown everything off the edge by now. <laughs> These that's are facts. Science. That is yeah. science. <laughs> that's but there's science. A, there was a documentary i saw i was talking about the titanic and you know just kind of picking apart the night of the sinking and everything that contributed to it and something that they suggested was it was the same mirage effect that contributed to them not being able to see the iceberg because basically it looked like the dark ocean was higher than it was concealing the iceberg and of course there's like a million other things working against them Mm -hmm, you know But they were saying it was it was a very clear night. It was very cold. And they took all these like environmental uh, pieces of evidence. And they're like, well, maybe there was a mirage that concealed the iceberg. And that's why they ran into it. Hmm. Wow. That's really interesting. It makes perfect sense, too, though. Now that yeah, you it does. It. Yeah, that is. That's so cool. <laughs> I, what was that? Was it a TV show or something or? Yeah, I want to. Oh, crap. I can't remember if it was on Netflix or if it was when I had cable, but it was it was a documentary about like uh, the night of the Titanic sinking. Oh, cool. I need to find that. Okay, so. And then to the point where people thought that once you saw these ships, you know, people die. It could be a coincidence, like I said, but it could be psychosomatic. Like, if you think you're going to die and you start panicking, you can actually make yourself, like, stroke out. <laughs> well, you and make it's sick or self-fulfilling prophecy, you know. Yeah. Or you're so scared you trip and you fall off a mast, you know. Like, it's a lot of things you can do to yourself. Or you're like, I'm going to die. I'm going to get super drunk. And then you get drunk and fall off a mast. Yes. <laughs> Like, well, I mean, that's some solid logic. Well, I'm gonna, not, I'm gonna die anyway. Might as well, might go as well out get, right. Might as well get wasted. Or like We're gonna the last go out on top. <laughs> yeah, like the last episode when the ship, you know, wrecked. They are like, let's just get drink till I pass out, and then I won't right. remember what happened. So it's a solid logic. Also, 
Yes. <laughs> and you touched on this too. Uh, women were historically forbidden from sailing on military vessels or merchant ships because they were believed to be bad luck and they would anger the sea gods, like you said, jealous rages and a lot of rape. Also very dangerous to women. God, history, in the words of Queen's podcast, is a bag of dicks. But uh, <laughs> I'm like, I wish I could have uh, copyrighted that before they did. Right? Because it's so true. It's thrilled. a bag of dicks written by a bunch of dicks. <laughs> and there were some, like, very unfortunate circumstances. Like, author Suzanne Starks writes of an incident in the Middle Ages where a crew defied the superstition and went out to sea with several female passengers on board. The ship hit a terrible storm and the crew panicked, remembered that the women were bad luck, and began throwing them off the ship. No, God damn. <laughs> More than 60 oh women God. drowned in an attempt to appease the sea gods. Quote, all was for naught as the majority of the crew perished anyway. So, serve them you. right. Yeah, yes. right. Good God. <laughs> And this is the interesting part. So there is a contradiction. Although sailors believe women on board anger the sea gods, they also believe that bare-chested women calm the seas. <laughs> so if a it woman's going like to be on board, they have to not wear a shirt is what they're yeah. saying. I was like, the whole time you kept talking about her flashing her boobs. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get to this part because it connects. <laughs> It says that a topless woman would shame nature into suppressing his anger. And oddly enough, even though they were believed to be bad luck on a boat, women were also thought to be excellent navigators. This is why you see a lot of topless women figureheads in front of boats and ships. Oh, I mean, it's still stupid, but. (laughs) I was wondering about that while I was doing my research and like, oh, women are bad luck. Then why are women everywhere on the sea? We name our ships. We call our ships she and her. We yeah. have the sexy, topless, you know, mermaid figureheads. We see mermaids. Like, what is going on where women are so prevalent and yet blatantly rejected? Yeah, and it's it's so contradictory. It's crazy. And then this was also interesting. I never thought of this saying before either. Male children born on a ship are referred to as son of a guns. Oh, was- really? Yes, and it's because the most convenient place to give birth on deck was on the gun deck. So huh. it would be son of a gun. I mean, I suppose oh. you have something to hold on to there. <laughs> <laughs> and having a male child on board was a sign of good luck. Well, yeah, because women are bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> I had a totally different image of where son of a gun was going to go because you said the gun deck. And I'm like, so like the women line up with the barrel of the cannon and like the baby shoots into it that's good luck like it's like skee ball you want to hit dead center oh jeez there was the logical answer and I went completely past it you're like what horrific thing happened to these children you can't tell me no one back then didn't think of it, though, because they were all lunatics. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh-huh. So <laughs> sailors poured wine on the deck of a ship to guarantee good luck on a voyage, which seems like a waste of good wine, if you ask me. Maybe they used the really cheap stuff. Like, they, they did the whole, like, put the cheap stuff in a nice bottle just in case. 
Yes, I would hope so. But some marine historians have suggested that by splashing wine on a newly built vessel, it was a way to check for cracks and leaks. So, I mean, if it has a permit. I mean, that would be smart, yeah. Yeah, I would imagine it would be okay to waste, you know, some of the wine. But if it's just willy-nilly throwing it around, then I have <laughs> I have issues. <laughs> There's a yeah, problem. Yeah, we take issue with that. That's, yeah. I take that personally. <laughs> and... Speaking of booze, a shot of rum was given to the ocean to please the god Neptune, which I stand behind that because rum is my personal favorite. So yeah, rum is delicious. Yeah, totally fair. You know what? That's why there was that storm where they threw all the women off board. They got cheap rum and Neptune was like, no, <laughs> and Neptune was no, pissed. No, 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 no. you do not give the god of the ocean this will and expect a safe journey. You assholes. <laughs> You brought this on yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's also cool that I, we have something in common with a god, you know, right. prefer rum. That's always fun, too. So which fruit do you think was the worst luck? Apples. <laughs> I have no idea. I Actually, I think apple's a good idea because if we want to think about logically, apple is usually what's portrayed as the, the fruit that oh, tempted yeah, Eve that's... and women are bad. That's true. But I that's go like... with pineapple. It was actually bananas. See, Damn. I was going to say banana, but then, no. I'm like, but then I'm like, no, didn't, didn't they eat bananas to stave off scurvy? Wow, I should have just said bananas anyways. But this is so phallic. You think that would like give them more p- power? <laughs> <laughs> so, at the height of the trading empire between Spain and the Caribbean in the 1700s, most cases of disappearing ships happened to be carrying bananas as cargo. Oh, so they were just like, "God damn it, bananas again!" <laughs> <laughs> yes. And coincidence, prop, perhaps, possibly. But another theory suggests that because bananas spoil so quickly, they had to transport it so much faster. So the faster you're going, the more likely you are to have an accident. And then another danger, which I would have never in a thousand years considered, is that bananas would start to ferment. And then the heat of the storage hole would cause a deadly toxic fume that would kill people. Oh shit, really? (laughs) Wow, I didn't know that about bananas. I didn't either. Like, I mean, the- I knew they fermented. I didn't know the their like gas let off was toxic. Yeah, I didn't either. And then the final theory is that there are species of deadly spiders that can hide inside bananas, and that the banana they spiders. would yeah, and then they would get out of the bananas and then bite them, and they would all die. So I've seen those like horrifying news things, like woman buys bananas, giant spider pops out. Yeah, I say they're like big spiders yeah it's uh no thanks emily's like i need to google this now (laughs) no no i was i was looking at so dion wrote in reference to the the son of a gun comment that they would put off the cannon to scare the baby out if the woman was having a difficult birth which is much more creative than like trying to shoot the baby down the cannon that's funny oh yeah no thanks (laughs) Labor's already bad enough. Don't shoot guns next to me. Yeah, it's no. not like a sneeze where if you stare me, it's going to end. Okay. I don't, I, I don't need to be deaf as well as in the middle of childbirth. Good <laughs> lord. That's such a man logic, too. Right. Somebody that has no concept of childbirth being like, this will work. I promise. 
Just hang on. So mariners have long held the belief that whistling or singing into the wind will whistle up a storm. I don't know why. I, don't think, I think they mentioned that in Pirates of the Caribbean when she's singing because they mentioned that having a having a woman on luck is bad bad luck. And then I think they also meant like they say something about like don't sing. Yeah. So whistling was said to challenge the wind and cause it to increase. So it would be like, I see you're whistling and I'm going to uh, I'm gonna add whistle a- back, bitches. <laughs> I raise you a tsunami. <laughs> and then some seafarers believe that clapping on board would bring on thunder and that throwing stones into the ocean would cause storms with large ocean swells to happen. Huh. All so. of that totally tracks in my brain. I 100% <laughs> am on board with that logic. I just want to know who's like, Oh, I'm getting on a pirate ship today. I'm going to bring this stone and throw it overboard. <laughs> I know. I was like, who's bringing all these stones on? Because they kept popping up in the research. Yeah, that, that was, just it's seems a, a pet little rock weird. for companionship. <laughs> and then it just it sasses you and you don't want it there anymore. So you got to throw it in the ocean. <laughs> and the next part makes sense to me. Because I know like in Ireland, days of the week are really symbolic, you know, and like, like getting married on a certain day means something. So it makes sense that every day of the week that you would set sail would mean something. So Fridays have been considered unlucky because it's likely that Jesus was crucified on a Friday. And uh, so they're like, no, thanks. And then Thursdays are bad sailing days because that is Thor's day, the god of thunders and thunders, <laughs> thunder and storms. The first Monday in April is the uh, day that Cain slew Abel. The second Monday in August is the day that the kingdoms of Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. So superstitious sailors believe the only good day to set sail was on Sunday. Hmm. So the day of rest. Yes. <laughs> so you know, I, I, I bet the Titanic set sail on like a Friday or Saturday. And that's why they Probably. were just screwed from the beginning. <laughs> This is funny because we were just talking about a fiery redhead. They thought you should avoid redheads. <laughs> really? Well, that yeah. servant girl and her dad definitely need to avoid a redhead. Yeah. And all <laughs> those dudes she stabbed. Right? <laughs> People with red hair were believed to be unlucky. Redheads were not welcome aboard ships and were avoided by sailors before beginning a journey. If a sailor met a redheaded person before boarding the ship, the sailor had to speak to the redhead first, so this would mitigate the bad luck of the encounter. I just see just see these sailors like chasing after someone. Wait, I need to talk to you. <laughs> I would love to be a redhead in a seafaring town. Like everyone's getting ready to shove off on a what Sunday. And you just stroll through ruining everyone's day and everyone's timeline. They're like, yes. nope, nope, we can't sail till next week, guys. Just feed off the panic, <laughs> the chaos. Yeah. And just okay. immediately say hi to everyone so they can't talk to you first. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Oh, I wish I was a redhead. Oh, be so much, so much power. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> much power. They'll, never, they'll never know. So although sailors are notorious for using foul language, there are some words that seafarers avoided because they thought they were bad luck. So you couldn't say the word drown for obvious reasons. And they wouldn't let you say good luck or goodbye. And then that's weird. And then sailors' wives couldn't wave goodbye or couldn't call after their husbands once they left. And they also couldn't turn back. So once they took off, you couldn't turn back to look at port because that'd be bad luck too. 
other words? That re- that's like um, the, is it the Greek or Roman story, Eurydice and what's his name, where he's he's trying to get her, he, dude's trying to get his girlfriend out of the underworld. It's yeah. his and wife, yeah. Like, As if you she can doesn't take turn her. around. If you, but she'll follow you, but you can't turn around until you get out. Otherwise she's mine forever. And at the very last second, he gets really freaked out and turns around. She turns into a pillar of salt. Yeah. yeah it was really sad. I'm like, you're an idiot. There's probably. I, it's so anger inducing. I mean, a lot of this stuff does come from like Greek mythology. So that would make right. a lot of sense. Yeah. Eurydice and Orpheus. They made the musical Hades Town based on that story. Excellent. Oh, highly recommend. Oh, I do want to see that. I didn't know what story it was. I just knew I wanted to see it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, mythology, Broadway, done. I don't need to know what it's about. Other words pertaining to land brought bad luck if you mentioned while at the sea, such as pigs, foxes, rabbits, and church. Church. Yeah. Church. <laughs> because funerals are in a church. So they're like, anything that had to do with funerals? They were just like anything close to death, just. (laughs) And this is what I just thought was funny. Swearing while fishing was also seen as bad luck. (laughs) Which, like, they're just super offended. They're like, no, I can't handle this. Yeah, everybody I know that fishes ends up cussing at some point. Either you just can't. I was going to say it's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. It's not my favorite pastime. Anyone who is familiar with Samuel Taylor Coleridge's poem, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, knows that killing an albatross can bring serious bad luck. In the poem, numerous numerous perils and misfortunes befall a ship after one of its crew members shoots a friendly albatross that visited the boat. Seabirds were believed to carry the souls of the deceased sailors, so it was a good omen to see one, but very unlucky to kill one. Yeah, I, I knew the, like, having albatross and other seabirds, like, fly out with you when you depart is supposed to be, like, a super good omen. Yeah. And then ships have commonly sailed with cats on board since the ancient times. The primary role of a ship's cat was to catch and kill rodents on the boat and to prevent them from gnawing on the wood, ropes, and later electrical wiring. Cats would also prevent vermin from eating food stores or damaging cargo like grains. Rodents also carried and spread diseases like the ye old black death. <laughs> ye, ye, old ye old black death. <laughs> uh, because cats helped control the rodent problem on the ships and provided a sense of companionship. Because I'm sure you're lonely as fuck on a ship for months or years or however oh, yeah. long you're on you there. You just want to cuddle. Yes, I would a thousand percent befriend every cat on a ship. Love me. Right? I would that would be my job on a ship. I would be I would be the pussy tamer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if a cat approached and then turned away, that was bad luck. For this reason, seafarers kept their ship's cats well fed and very content. Wives of fishermen sometimes kept black cats at home to protect their husbands while at sea, which I like that cuz a lot of time black cats are bad luck in a lot of different Right. Yeah. yeah, that's good to hear. Oh, I love black cats. While some of the good luck associated with cats on ships was based in reason, other superstitions surrounding ships' cats were not. Some mariners believed that cats had magical powers stored in their tails and that they could control the weather. <laughs> okay. They can, though. That is 100% accurate. <laughs> Just flick, 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 storm. 
Yeah. I'm just feeling sassy today. Let's just whip up a tornado. And while cats were believed to protect ships from storms, they could also summon storms if the cat fell or was thrown overboard. So you just hopefully don't have a clumsy cat. (laughs) I love this cat's like a bomb where you kind of don't want it there because it might cause a storm. But if you do anything to try to get rid of it, you will def cause a storm. So it's walking around like, you can't touch this. (laughs) (laughs) So if something happened and there's a storm with a cat, if it did not sink during that storm, it was cursed with bad luck for nine years. The cat? Yeah, so if the cat caused a storm and then you or an accident and you didn't sink, the ship was still cursed, even if you made it out. But you're like, yay, we survived, but we're probably gonna die soon because we're yes. cursed for nine years. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, they just don't want to be happy. Yeah, because that's how many lives a cat has. <laughs> it's true. Cats are very powerful. You know, cats used to be worshipped as gods, and they never forgot. It's so right? true. Yeah. <laughs> They know the power they hold. <laughs> Honestly, the whole idea that a cat might cause a storm at any minute makes so much sense. Because if you ever like rubbed a cat's belly and it's super into it, and then with no warning, that cat is trying to eat your hand. Yes, it's always a trap. Just like cats, the sea is unpredictable. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so there's a few other things with cats. A ship's cat sneezing meant that it was going to rain. Oh, it's so cute, though. Yeah. I like, oh, go get a red umbrella. (laughs) A frisky ship's cat was an omen of a windy day. So if he was just kind of like spazzing out, it's just going to be a windy day. 2 a.m. every day. (laughs) It's true. And if they lick their fur against the grain, that signaled that a hailstorm was on its way. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) So specific. I how I often that like, person that sits there and watches the cat to know, guys, he licked the wrong way. There's hail. <laughs> I would want that job for real, though. Right? Seems like the best, best of them. While these sailor superstitions may sound absurd, they were actually somewhat based in reality. Due to their sensitive inner ears, cats are able to detect changes in weather more acutely than other animals. They can sense the low atmospheric pressure that often comes with storms at sea. So that can make sense. There are some other animals that can do that too. It's like why a lot of times before like big storms, you'll see all like the deer and stuff like moving in a certain direction and whatnot. Yeah. Animals are crazy. Like, my joints can also tell. (laughs) So I'd be double helpful. I'll watch the cat, and then I'll tell you if my knees hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Because early sailors believed strongly in the power of symbols and omens, they often tattooed specific images on their body to bring good luck or repel misfortune. A lot of them had, like, nautical stars or compasses, so it could help guide them home. They also tattooed pictures of roosters or pigs on their feet to protect them from drowning. And many early sailors could not swim, which that seems like a skill you might want to have if you're going to be on the water. And they believed that gods would have mercy on them during a shipwreck if they saw these images on their feet. The gods would see roosters and pigs and scoop the sailors up from the water and place them safely back on land. This superstition may have developed due to the fact that after shipwrecks, the lighter livestock, like roosters and hens, would survive because their crates could float. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's logical. I I found some logic in some of this, and I'm like, okay, I can see if you didn't know, you know, 
I mean, the heavy stuff, sure, it's going to sink pretty fast. But Right. I mean, science back then, not really a thing. <laughs> Witchery. That's what science was back then. In addition to more elaborate nautical superstitions, sailors around the world believed in many other good and bad luck charms and omens, like step aboard with your right foot. And then you have that, like, one person that that's me that you stop, like, right before you get on. You're like, okay, no, this one's the right foot. Okay. okay I, always go. Do, I always do that on ships, too, because I'm always like, okay, I got to do this right so I don't fall in. Even though you can't, really, but it's all wobbly right. and I get anxious and then I overthink it. And I, I used like, to have oh, this OCD ritual. So when my parents and I moved to Minnesota, when we first looked at the house that we ended up buying, for no reason. Have no idea why I did this. When I went upstairs, I skipped the second to last step and then landed on my left foot at the top. And then we ended up buying the house. So I was like, oh, and I did that for the entirety that I lived there. I didn't do it anywhere wow. else, but I, I always walked up the stairs in my house that way. So I am definitely a reincarnated sailor whose <laughs> yes. rooster feet tattoos did yeah. not work. <laughs> Oh, this one I'd be screwed to. Flat-footed people were bad luck. Yep, I'm flat-footed. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> people with flat feet were avoided before a voyage and not <laughs> rolled from aboard a ship. So it's not even just that you're bad luck. Like, you're... Oh, God, think if you were a flat-footed ginger. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're like a sailor's so worst nightmare. People just running from you. Like, right. you got the leg. Ugh. Yes. I want that rom-com where the sailor falls in love with a flat-footed ginger. And even though the odds <laughs> are against them, they're but not hunters all. Tam, tam, tam. <laughs> and that's when I could understand. Sharks are a sign of death. A shark following the ship was perceived as an inevitable sign of death. But the reason they followed ships is because they kept throwing things overboard and they were eating them. So like right? they fish, they're throwing the carcasses over. So It's like free food. Yeah. <laughs> Turtles were considered good luck and sailors that carried their bones were supposedly are supposed to have good fortune. But if a sailor killed a turtle and didn't eat it, he would have bad luck. Hmm. That's interesting. It's interesting that they just threw the like you have to eat the turtle if you kill it in there. <laughs> if you kill an albatross, yeah, I, it's bad luck no matter what. But if you kill a turtle, as long as you eat it, you're fine. Yeah. See, that's economical, though. You know, it's, it's you know, use all parts of the animal. Don't just kill it and waste unless, it. Unless it's an albatross, then you're just fucked. Yes. Yeah. And sailors also feared manta rays because these animals were believed to be able to attach themselves to the ship's anchor and drag the ship under the sea. I'm wondering manta where rays? that came from. <laughs> that's, like, that's oddly specific. Yeah, they don't even have, like... I'm so, like hands. They don't have anything. I mean, they could wrap their whole body around it. But I know. Like, I'm like, what do they? Do they think they're like sucker fish, where they can just like? I guess. <laughs> Even if they like wrap their bodies around an anchor, there's nothing to swim down with. So I don't know. They're, the they're just the wet. They're the wet blankets of the sea, and they're dragging the party down. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're majestic sea flap flaps. Sea flap flaps. That's what they're called. That's like the Reddit name for them is Majestic Sea Flap Flap. I love that. They will Which makes them my favorite that. animal just because that's what they're called. That will forever live in my brain. Right. <laughs> and dolphins were considered good luck and a harbinger of good things to come. Which dolphins are pretty fucked up, honestly. So, I mean, they're the only other animal that 
well, one, they're the only other animal that has um, sex for pleasure, but they're also like super dicks to each other. Yeah, they're super rapey. Like I didn't know that. And they're really, they're really mean. Yeah, they like drown other animals. Yeah, yeah they're they're real mean. Well, I think it's interesting because a lot of people, like, you know, you always hear, like, bad, bad things about killer whales, but they're actually not, like, dolphins will gang up and kill killer whales. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're brutal. I'm like, I feel like killer whales get a really bad rap when dolphins are really the terrible, terrible things in the ocean. It's true. I like what Dion said. Dolphins are torture sharks. (laughs) They are. So we have majestic sea flat flaps and torture sharks. (laughs) And another favorite one is a raccoon is a trash panda. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I do like that one. (laughs) Or you got like snakes. You got your danger noodles. Danger noodles. (laughs) Or nope rope. Nope ropes. Yeah. (laughs) So flowers are a bad omen. Because they're associated. Yes, anything. Because they're associated with funerals and resunk graves. You know, and women. Women, yeah. So it said even if a sailor's wife tried to bid them farewell with a gift of flowers, they would throw it overboard. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck your flowers. (laughs) No. Love you, honey. Fuck this. (laughs) Isn't it the thought that counts? Yeah. It's it's okay. You throw the flowers overboard and then you you know, you can't look back. You're not allowed. So you can't see your angry wife's face, and you know, six months later, she's not gonna remember. She's over it. She's got plenty of time to cool down and cheat on you. Uh, I hope somebody like wrote this down because that seems like a lot to remember when your person's leaving and you're like, hey, what can or can I not do? Scroll when you sign up to be a sailor. Yes. Yeah, it's like I can't even imagine like when he deploys. I mean, he he's in the air force, so he flies away. But like, if I had a huge long list of what not to do, like don't look him in the eye, don't turn your back, don't give him flowers, right. I'd be screwed. He would have crashed. I'd forget. Oh, and clergy were not welcome on board because it's the same connection with oh, church. Yeah, church funeral. Same thing with ringing bells because it sounds like the bells ringing at a funeral. <laughs> so basically, anything, even like wine glass ringing, you know, like no clinking yeah. of your glasses. Ooh. Anything related to funerals, <laughs> doubt. Throw you overboard. That's what it sounds like. And rabbits and salmon were bad omens. If fishermen found a salmon or a rabbit on their boat, they would often skip sailing for that day and stay home instead. No, and then you have to wait another week till it's Sunday again. Okay. <laughs> it's very complicated. What a specific set of critters to just find on your boat? Like, were rabbits commonly sneaking on ships? Right, like, I'm like, salmon, depending on where you live, if it's spawning season, okay, maybe they'll end up in your boat. But yeah, like, a rabbit? rabbit yeah unless they're just running up the ramp or something but i don't know maybe maybe that was an old-timey prank like i'm gonna put a rabbit on their ship the wives Which is like, now we have all right. these rabbits put. i'm supposed to give birth tomorrow go put a rabbit on their ship yes that'd be perfect and there was also no personal grooming while sailing they often like trimming your nails shaving your beard or cutting your hair was also to believe to bring bad luck in interesting i mean i think that was just these dudes excuse to be nasty (laughs) well i mean even like sports people won't do that they like like, won't shower if they're on a winning streak and like yeah yeah yeah. there's like weird superstitions yeah Mm. but it's like honey you're you're absolutely disgusting didn't you shower or shake or do anything on that boat for the last six months i'm not allowed to 
It's bad luck. It's it's bad luck. God, let me get some incense and some candles and some Glade plugins because you are right. Yeah. Right? Like you need to go shower somewhere that is not this house. <laughs> I, I, mean, I really cool. think it was just dudes being nasty yeah, and I mean, wanting to be okay with that. The BO right. anyway, in the time before deodorant or like, I mean, they had like lice soap and stuff, but it's not like their hygiene was that great to begin with. No. <laughs> just, oh, that would just burn your nose hairs. Honestly, out. I wonder if they just ended up smelling like salt because they're sweating all day. Yeah, maybe. And then they're in the ocean, you know, they're out in the ocean. I bet they just smelled like salt. Probably. Oh, I'm sure they stopped smelling it too after a while. Oh yeah, it's one of the, your nose probably just adjusts to it. Yeah, nose blindness isn't that what it's called? Little Another wife's at home baking a pie and she catches a whiff. She's like, "Hubby's <laughs> home. Know. He's at the docks. I can smell him." <laughs> oh, the ship's in. You know, when I think about like if I could time travel, can you just imagine the smell? Like everybody'd be excited to go to all these places, and then you'd just be like, Ugh. "No, never well, mind." Because like I'm That's just imagining. Map how a long time ago my boyfriend used to smell after his hockey games because he wouldn't like they didn't shower in the locker room so he'd have to sit next to me in the car <laughs> literally soaking wet from having sweated so much and he smelled so bad oh, and i'm like Lord. oh god do that and then like add six months oh i i think i'm lucky my husband doesn't sweat like, I mean, he sweats like he's not going to die, but he doesn't smell. He doesn't have a smell. Yeah, my husband my husband doesn't really either. He doesn't have to wear deodorant or anything. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? And he, because he'll be like, I need deodorant. And he's like, what's wrong with you? You're weird. I'm like, I'm not the weird one. I'm my a husband, normal one. My husband does need deodorant, but he's not like an excessive sweater or anything. Yeah, yeah. He'll be like outside working on the roof or something, like sweating and come in and he doesn't smell. I'm like, how is this possible? Because I think You're I ran weird. out of deodorant one time and I was going to steal his and he's like, I don't use it. It's like freaking witchery. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> you married a warlock. I did. Uh, this one's also funny. So another superstition is that people named Jonah are bad luck to sail with. All because of the whole whale thing, you know? Yep. Totally fair. 100%. Uh, Change your name before you get on that ship. <laughs> As a rule, seafarers try not to hire any crew or sailors with the name so that they don't have to throw them overboard during a storm. <laughs> like, I'm doing this for you, buddy. Like. Your name. How sad to know that, like, if if shit goes down, you are the you're first just, you're one going who's overboard. Yep. overboard. <laughs> well, unless there's women on board, then they're getting thrown overboard too. Yes, or their shirts are getting ripped open. It just depends on how murderous <laughs> the crew is feeling. Gods, yeah. <laughs> like, no, throw me over. Hear me out. Hear me out. Boobs. <laughs> Let me stay. Right. It it starts raining, and the women are like, "Nope, you don't have to tell me. I know the drill." <laughs> Yes. And some of the superstitions have dissipated throughout the modern world, but a lot of rituals are still stronger now than they've ever been before. So if you consider the sequence of rituals and ceremonies involved in building a new ship, they're the same as they've always been. There's the steel cutting ceremony followed by the kneel laying. This is when they put coins in the vessel for good luck. The float out, so the ceremony when they place it in the water for the first time, and then eventually the christening of the ship. Or the yeah, where they smash thing. like a champagne bottle against the hull. Yeah, they've upgraded from wine. Yes, to champagne. 
Yeah, they've upgraded and like ships are different, but it's all the same rituals, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, that's really and cool. After a ship is named and christened, you cannot change the name of the ship. It's considered really bad luck. And this might be oh. because sailors believe that their boats took on a mind of their own once they were named. And then another explanation is that renaming the ship meant that you were trying to trick the gods of the sea. So according to the legend, each ship's name was recorded in his Ledger of the Deep. So changing the name without notifying Neptune, he would incur his wrath on you. You just send him like a, a Do you message. know how long it takes me <laughs> to write this shit down? And now I gotta go back. I gotta cross it out. It looks like shit now. How dare you? <laughs> Do you know how busy I am? Do you just... know how expensive waterproof paper and ink is? <laughs> Wasted my time. I love how a lot of these superstitions are very, very like ancient, mythological, and then some are like super Christian. I just, uh, the meshing of them is very interesting to me. Right. Yeah. Cause a lot of them involve yeah. sea gods. And then like the other half are like anything to do with a church or a funeral or, you know. Yeah. And it's kind of like now, I mean, you know, mythology and paganism are things so entrenched in Christianity. People just like to conveniently forget that. That's probably the, uh, I'm still doing these things. I don't know why I do them, but yay, Jesus, you know. I want that on a shirt. I don't know why I'm doing these things, but yay, Jesus. But yay, Jesus. (laughs) And then just a quick thing. uh, Sirens were creatures from Greek mythology that entice sailors to their destruction with their irresistible, beautiful singing. I just like the idea that, like, in all these stories, like, men go to their deaths just because a pretty lady is there. (laughs) Or they're like, oh, God. That person, their voice is so beautiful. Clearly, that means they're beautiful. Yes. Let me sail to find them. I am that desperate. <laughs> oh, and and it's like men wrote these too, so even they know. Like, right. oh yeah, we totally, totally do that for a good. I'm, I'm just imagining that conversation. Like, hey man, is it just mirrors that fat gray sea cow look hot? No man, <laughs> I see it. <laughs> look at those hips yeah it's just Mm, baby got back (laughs) so the most famous appearance of sirens was in homer's um, odyssey and according to homer the sirens lived on an island is it scylla scylla I don't know Greek. And it's located in the Strait of Messina between Italy and Sicily. (laughs) And here they waited for passing ships to go by and then they would entice sailors to their death. And it was said that the meadow of the Sirens' home island was a rotting layer of corpses of their victims. Ew. I just love like so many dudes that the bodies are piling up where you can like. Apparently it's Skyla. (laughs) Skyla. Okay. I know things. Words are hard, you know? Yeah. Especially words that are not hillbilly English. That's my native language. (laughs) (laughs) And there's also a possibility that sirens influence Northern European tales of mermaids. Legendary aquatic creatures with a head and torso of a female or a male human and then a fish-like tail. And even though sirens began as half bird and half human. What? Yes, yeah, so the original. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, the original sirens were half bird. That's yeah, weird. It's very wild. That's hot. That. It's half. 
it's just weird to think of mermaids came from that. And the yeah. legend of Loralee of the Rhine, who sang to lure sailors to their death on the rocks below, kind of shows a clear parallel to Siren. So it probably, with a lot of things, probably somebody brought the story up there and Northern Europeans kind of, they're like, let's scratch the bird part and let's add some so, fish tails. Right. Like that th- makes last, more sense. This Especially last October, Kelly covered the story of the Yara, which is basically like an Amazon river mermaid, again, luring men to their deaths mm-hmm. and everything. And we started talking and there's all of these aquatic female lethal spirits or yeah, just creatures all over the that world. lure men. And like, target men specifically to their deaths and not always men but you know there's the the yara sirens mermaids um even la yorona is kind of in that realm of like the lethal aquatic lady and yeah. we found out that there is uh in north america there's something called the huh. deer woman who because of course we came lures, up with that. <laughs> lures like rapists and fuckboys to their death wow See, that looks oh, more than cool. half bird, half human. That looks like yeah. mostly looks like bird a, with a human head. Yeah. That looks it, like, a, like a harpy. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's a whole lot more bird than expected. <laughs> and then, of course, you have, like, the, you know, the drawings from, like, Imager, Imger and stuff of, you know, like, the sexy. Yes. Yeah. You know, like, that's not what I'm looking for, dudes. It's like, when you look at plates and the... Yeah, vessels, they kind of all have the. Yeah, a lot of them like that look more old and traditional. Yeah, it's basically a bird with a with a head. Yeah, like this painting, they got more of a sexy face, I guess, but still a bird. <laughs> How do yeah, I... I always just assumed that sirens were like the screechy, you know, scary mermaids, but it is not. Who would have known? But yeah. Mythology. It's a trip. <laughs> it's a wild ride. Literally, this article is titled How to Tell the Difference Between a Siren and a Mermaid. <laughs> oh, but they had this they had this picture, and I thought that was a good picture. Yeah, that is a good picture. I'll put all this on the uh, social media. Shameless plug. I want to make a competing on. coffee company where that's my logo. <laughs> yeah, yeah piss off Starbucks. Yes. Yeah, I did the, the story of her, but she... She's like an interesting, like in some stories, she's half snake, not mermaid. I don't hmm. know. Yeah, so a lot of. Which I mean, that like that's essentially kind of what Medusa was. Yeah. Oh man. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. This has been so much fun. Yeah. I if, thank you so much really for having us. Yes. Tell everybody how to find your podcast. Uh, so you can find us wherever you're listening to Historical AF right now. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. You can we just also got find us Pandora on- today. Oh, what? Yeah, we got our email today. And oh, your patrons are the first eight? to know because they're so special. <laughs> oh, that's a good uh, question. But you what can episode also- should you start with? Oh, shit. Um, I would say episode 50 is a good one. So episode 50 was our year anniversary. Kelly made our wine glasses and i screamed and we covered uh minnesota mavens as a celebration oh, yeah. because we are like, a minnesota based podcast <laughs> yeah i thought that was i thought the minnesota mavens was for our one year not our 50th episode it was bull because remember we skipped a couple weeks because oh, i lost my voice <laughs> it's okay this, like, this 
this year we skipped a couple episodes because I lost my voice. (laughs) Yeah. So it balanced out. Oh, if if you go back all the way, Dion, our first like five episodes are a little rough because we were still getting our audio down. And our, then our first of... two episodes oh, are two? rough. Yeah, after after that it gets better because then we were able to like get our own mics and everything. So yeah, yeah. I think most podcasts were like, "Don't start at the beginning, please." <laughs> <laughs> we just have a disclaimer: like, if you really want to, go for it. Mm-hmm. But it's rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I really like our first episode. It ended up being really good. And our quality wasn't too bad. But, like, especially with this podcast, I've had different co-hosts. And now we have just guests and stuff. So I'm like, people get very confused. <laughs> Fans of your podcast. And so we're so happy that you had us on and that you found us. And yeah. thank you so much. You're we welcome. very enjoyed being here. Just so excited you guys agreed to come on. Like I said, once I heard you on Hashtag History, I was like, new friends. (laughs) (laughs) Totally keep us updated on topics because we'd love to come back. And we'd love to, I mean, you're a history major. We'd love to have you on Whining About History too. Awesome. Yes, I love women in history. So I I would love to, I would love to talk about all the reasons that they sent women to asylums. Oh, yeah. I'm Uh, sorry. She was reading a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe and that's they, what we can do. <laughs> and they didn't even have to have a reason. Like, if your, say, your husband and your dad both signed a thing, you would just be shipped off. And it, yeah, it was so stupid, so dumb. And even the in Arkansas, the first superintendent, his wife was the matron, and she would do a lot of stuff and like work there too. And then just out of nowhere, she's committed and he's married again. And it doesn't explain like what happened or how she, they were just throwing them in there to get rid of them so they could get remarried. I was like, son of a bitch. Jeez. What a shady Yeah, because didn't, didn't like getting someone committed to a s- asylum like nullify your marriage or something? Yeah. Yeah, they were getting remarried and hooking up with their mistresses or whatever. But yeah, it was, it was uh, gross. Yeah. All right. Well, thank well, you, you so much. Night. You too. You too. And thank you to all the people in the chat. You're super funny. Yes, you are. (laughs) They're the best. I want to thank Kelly and Emily again for joining me. Whining About Herstory, you can find it on all major podcasting platforms. So wherever you're listening to this, you can find them. I had such a great time. This was such a good episode. And she was a long one, but I had so much fun. And even editing, I was cracking up. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. If you would like to watch these live and comment along and answer our questions <laughs> like they did this episode, yeah, that is patreon.com slash historical AF pod. And not only do you get to watch these live, you get a lot of extra benefits. You can watch the extra episodes like the drunk dive and the art history episode, which there's about to be like five of them dropped <laughs> this week. So stay tuned for that, patrons. Highly recommend tiers are 2 to $20 and there's just so many benefits. So definitely check that out. If you would like to send me a story for the December extra AF, that is historicalafpod at gmail.com. And we need your stories. So any of your like spooky tales or haunted history of your town or legends or just something really cool happened there. I want to hear it. If you'd like to check out the merch store, that is shop.spreadshirt.com slash historical AF pod. And if you would like the things that you can't get on the merch store, like koozies and beer mugs and wine glasses and such, uh, you can go to my Etsy store. That is etsy.com slash shop slash Kina's creations. And that's creation with a K. 
for that. And also if you're a Patreon, you get 10% off of Etsy shop. And if you just want a place to find all this information, just go to historicalafpodcast.com and it will have everything on there. Thank you guys so much for listening. I adore you. Guys, have a great week and I'll see you next time. I'm going to be joined by Spooky Science Sisters podcast for Oceans Part 3. Okay, bye.